Hey everyone, I'm Jonathan Capehart and welcome to Cape Up. Cecile Richards is here. The president of Planned Parenthood talks about it all. What defunding Planned Parenthood really means, the possible impact of Trump care on Americans, the incessant fights with Congress over her organization's work. I believe if more members of Congress could get pregnant, we wouldn't be having these kinds of fights. Listen in as Richards talks about whether she'd run for office and her fascination with videos of goats and sweaters. Here for yourself, right now. Cecile Richards, thank you very much for being on the podcast. Absolutely. Glad to be here. Like face to face. This is this is terrific. <laughs> All right. So before we get into Trump care and Ob- repeal Obamacare and all of that stuff, I got to talk to you about all these moves to, quote unquote, defund Planned Parenthood. And whenever I hear that line, it makes me think that there is some line item in the federal budget that says cash for Planned Parenthood. Does such a thing exist? No, absolutely not. So glad you asked. It's not like there's a big publisher's clearinghouse check that gets delivered to our office <laughs> to your every office year. like this. Hey, right. <laughs> no, in fact, Planned Parenthood operates just like every other hospital and healthcare provider, particularly that participate in the Medicaid program. We get reimbursed for preventive health care. So millions of folks come to us for things like breast cancer screenings, a pap test, uh, birth control. A lot of young men come to us for STI testing and treatment. Young men come to Planned Parenthood. It's the fastest growing population coming to Planned Parenthood are men. A lot of them come for STI testing, and that's really, and, and treatment, especially in parts of the country where it's very hard to get. And it's hard to get, Jonathan, often in a place where you're not either shamed or judged or treated in a strange way. And Planned Parenthood, I mean, that's kind of our motto is care no matter what. And we try to live that every day. So in in essence, the quote unquote defunding that Paul Ryan talks about is actually singling out Planned Parenthood exclusively and saying folks who depend on you for preventive care uh, that are under Medicaid or other public health programs can no longer come to Planned Parenthood. That's what it means. End of story. Is it that they can no longer come to Planned Parenthood or is if they come to Planned Parenthood and since it operates like a regular health care provider, that whatever bills that are sent from Planned Parenthood to the to the federal government, they won't be reimbursed. That's exactly right. Basically, you can't use your Medicaid card. And, you know, 1.6 million people last year came to Planned Parenthood through the Medicaid program. And in fact, I just was in Paul Ryan's district where three Planned Parenthood health centers, these are centers that provide only preventive health services. And the vast majority of our patients are Medicaid patients. Women in those in those towns are saying we will not have a place to go if we can't go to Planned Parenthood. Now, pick up on something that you just said. In Paul Ryan's district, there are three Planned Parenthood centers that only do preventive health services. That's correct. And so one of the things that the primary focal point on Planned Parenthood from the speaker to just about every Republican is abortion services that are provided by Mm -hmm. Planned Parenthood. Right. And so just to be clear, at those three centers, that is not available. That's correct. And in fact, it's it's important to know that, you know, the federal government does not pay for abortion services at Planned Parenthood or anywhere else. And 
look, we disagree with that law, the Hyde Amendment, because it has prevented low-income women from having access to abortion services. But we abide by the law. We operate just like hospitals who also provide abortion services. None of that is paid for by the federal government. And so one of the real cruel ironies to me about this effort by Paul Ryan and others to defund Planned Parenthood, quote unquote, is that basically what it's going to do is cut women off of family planning services all across the country. And as we know, the best way to prevent unintended pregnancy and the need for abortion is to make sure that women have access to birth control. That is essentially what's at stake. And it will mean women in Wisconsin, many of whom who live in Paul Ryan's district, will no longer be able to go to Planned Parenthood for the services. And many of these women have been coming to us for decades. So let's say a young woman goes into a Planned Parenthood center where there are abortion services. She gets an abortion. Is that an out-of-pocket expense for her, or how is that paid for? Sure. I mean, it depends on the health center. It depends on the individual. Some folks have insurance coverage, although that's another thing that they're trying to do is to end all uh, insurance coverage for abortion services in the U.S. Some women pay out-of-pocket, and some women rely on funds that we raise at Planned Parenthood to help people who can't afford services. It's really, though, incredible to me that for millions of women, and I know we'll get to this uh, Trump care that's being proposed in Congress, but millions of women and men, as we've talked about, count on Planned Parenthood as a place that they can access affordable health care. That is really at risk, not only by them turning away folks and saying, I mean, or, or the government saying you can't go to Planned Parenthood anymore, but also the millions of people who are poised to lose their health insurance coverage. We're going to really have, frankly, a, an entire uh, health care crisis, particularly for women in this country, if this legislation passes. And by this legislation, we're talking about Trump care. Correct. Are Trump's voters most likely to be adversely impacted by Trump care? Well, I think one of the most important things to understand about Planned Parenthood is the women who come to see us, the folks who come to see us, they're not coming to make a political statement. They're coming because they need access to affordable health care, and there's not enough of it in this country. And yes, uh, we have dozens of health centers across the Midwest, in Ohio, in Wisconsin, in Michigan, uh, in Indiana. And these are states where that health care is at risk. And look, we have heard from Trump supporters who are our patients who cannot believe that they're now going to be told they can't come to the health care provider of their choice. That to me is, I mean, there's so many ironies about the way this whole uh, bill is being jammed through Congress with no public input, no public scrutiny. But one of the one of the most outrageous things things about it is that Paul Ryan said that this is about allowing people greater choice in their health care provider. Well, that's true unless you're a woman and unless you choose Planned Parenthood. We just simply believe that folks in this country should have the same right that members of Congress, and that is to go to whatever health care provider they choose. And for two and a half million people every year, that health care provider is Planned Parenthood. Talk about the men who come to Planned Parenthood, because I really was mm -hmm. surprised by, and I, I don't know why it should be. I mean, it's a healthcare men, provider. Men, men need reproductive health care, just yes. like women. That's right. <laughs> right. So a lot of a lot of young people uh, come to us for testing and treatment for STIs, and we think that's incredibly important, obviously. It's like, because too many young people, I think, don't go to get health care because they're ashamed, and that's not a good thing. But I'll, I was actually in San Diego the other day at our health center, and the waiting room was full of men, and the, the TV, instead of being on the soaps, was turned to ESPN. And I said, what's going on? And it said, it's vasectomy day at Planned Parenthood in San Diego. So, uh, And we're, of course, proud, proud to provide that service as well. Uh, I think, look, to me, the thing that is, and when you say, how is this all happening – 
I just believe there are millions of people in this country, women and men, who believe that health care access, including reproductive health care access, is a fundamental right and it makes us healthier. One of the real ironies, Jonathan, uh, after the Affordable Care Act, and we fought so hard to get women equity so that they didn't have to pay more for health insurance than men, so that they weren't blocked from getting coverage for pre-existing conditions. Those are reasons that insurance companies had denied women coverage for years. And then, of course, we got preventive benefits. As a result of that, in large part, we're at a historic all-time low for teenage pregnancy in the United States of America. That didn't happen by accident. That happened because Planned Parenthood and other healthcare providers were able to serve folks a 30-year low for unintended pregnancy. We were actually at the lowest rate of abortion in this country since Roe versus Wade was decided. And yet every single thing that this White House is trying to do to take away birth control access, take away access to Planned Parenthood, Every single thing that they have proposed in Congress is going to turn the clock back and make it more difficult for women to stay healthy. So why don't they listen to these statistics and look at the facts on the ground? I mean, these are the same people who are always complaining about the high rate of of teenage pregnancy and the high rate uh, of abortions. And here we are in in a state where you just said that we're at all time lows in both those fronts. And yet they want to do something that. I, theoretically I think, and maybe in reality will spike those numbers again. I, I, can, I can guarantee it. And in fact, I mean, this is, we do believe that they're not listening to folks in their district. You cannot turn on the TV and look at a town hall without seeing women in pink T-shirts, women in pink hats, carrying signs. I mean, women are really fueling the resistance to this bill across the country. One estimate was that 86% of the calls coming into Congress are coming from women. Uh, And unfortunately, of course, we are not represented in either in this White House or in Congress uh, in equal ways. And I believe if more members of Congress could get pregnant, we wouldn't be having these kinds of fights. Uh, But what has been encouraging to see, as you say, like, how can this happen? happen. Women are participating. I mean, we obviously we saw the largest marches in the history of the country happen the day after the inauguration. And those women, young women, women who've been fighting these issues for years have stayed involved uh, all across the country. We've seen record spikes in new members uh, and activists at Planned Parenthood. During the campaign, I was very surprised when President Trump was asked about abortion and Planned Parenthood. And and he said, well, except for abortions, Planned Parenthood does really good things. It does great work. <laughs> right. It was were a you, moment of truth. And were you were you shocked by that? Um, well, I mean, that, that, it's hard to it be shocked. From him. It's hard to be shocked at this point. You never really know what to anticipate. But uh, what Donald Trump said in those candid moments were what, frankly, every man in Congress knows. And that is, Every single one of them know a woman, a woman who's been to Planned Parenthood for some kind of health care services. And so I was appreciative that he actually acknowledged it and recognized it. The challenge we have right now is the most extreme part of the Republican Party is now dictating women's access to health care in America. And not only access to safe and legal abortion, although that is very much at risk, but now they are ready to repeal access that 55 million women have right now to birth control in their insurance plans. So for anyone who thinks that this whole fight is only about abortion, 
That's just the beginning of it. They are literally trying to roll back every single bit of progress we've made for women in having, you know, quality, affordable health care, not just at Planned Parenthood, but frankly, at healthcare providers all across the country. I mean, women, the first, it was really interesting. I looked at the numbers. The first year of the birth control benefit, which we got under the Affordable Care Act, women saved $1.4 billion more on birth control pills. Now, that's, that's a serious economic benefit. Have you heard from Ivanka Trump? No, I spoke with her early before she went into this administration, but I haven't talked to her since then. And meaning after the after the election, after the but election. before before or before she went into the administration. Correct. And um, what'd she say? What she she said she wanted to talk about Planned Parenthood, and uh, I, and look, I've said Jonathan. Uh, many times. I'll talk to anybody about the important work that we do and the millions of folks who count on us. And so I did sit down with her. I talked to her about the health care we provided. Uh, she seemed sympathetic. I think she knew. I'm sure whether whether she's been a Planned Parenthood patient or not, I don't know, or whether friends of hers have. But, you know, I, I'm not surprised that she had a favorable opinion of Planned Parenthood. Uh, but since then, you know, this administration has done absolutely everything in their power to repeal, you know, women's access to health care. And, of course, now she's no longer there. At that point, she was reaching out, I guess, as the daughter of the president, as the incoming president. Now, of course, she's a, one of the highest ranking women in the White House. And her portfolio, my understanding is, is all women's issues, including women's health care. And so then, it, given that that's the case, are you... Are, are you concerned, upset, not Desperately. surprised Desperately. that she, like, where is she in this in this whole fight? I, I mean, I it is incredibly disturbing, particularly assuming that, in fact, she does support what Planned Parenthood does and that she understands as a woman who has been in the workforce that women need access not only to child care, they need access to health care. They need access to affordable health care. They need access to family planning. These are basic fundamental needs that women have in the healthcare system. And this White House, their budget, uh, their leaked birth control memo, which said they want to make it easier for bosses to tell women that they couldn't get birth control through their insurance plans. Every single one of these things are going to take women back decades. And so I really hope that Ivanka Trump will stand up for women all across America who are desperately concerned they're about to lose their rights. Um, how confident are you that she would indeed do that? Well, I haven't seen anything so far, but look, I every day I wake up and do everything I can uh, to make sure that women have access to health care. The way I look at it at Planned Parenthood, every day our doors stay open. That's approximately 8,118 folks who get access to care. And for many of our patients, we're their only health care provider. You famously were at that he that hearing, I believe that was in 20, was that last year, 2016? Yep. 2015. 2015, where I believe it was Jason Chaffetz who tried to jack you up <laughs> with some, some chart saying, here, it says right here that such and such happened. And someone leaned up, whispered in your ear, and you're like, uh, no, that's, that's, not, a, that's right. not right. It was a completely, I mean, it was like, kind of the original fake news. I feel like Planned Parenthood has been, you know, the target of fake news. And that was, yes, he put up a chart that was, he said was from us, but actually it it said on the chart that it was created by a national uh, anti-abortion group. So it was clearly not our chart. And 
anyway, anyone could have figured that out, but I guess his staff hadn't looked. Right. And so, and you sat for a very long time, not as long as Hillary Clinton in the Benghazi hearings of 11 hours, but you sat there a long time being raked over the coals over fake charts, your own salary, and you were wildly prepared. But I wonder, since I've got someone here who's actually sat in front of members of Congress who are hurling all these questions at them, what is going through your mind during that during that entire time as you're looking at that entire panel of of mostly men right um just rain fire on you well i think one is my respect for women who serve in office and particularly who serve in congress has grown immensely i already had enormous um, respect for them but the fact that they deal with that kind of mansplaining every single day is unbelievable and so more more power to them and the other thing of course it made me feel like is i just wish for that five hours that they had me there, that they just had to listen to women, everyday average women, Republican women, Democratic women, women from the Midwest, women from their hometowns, talk about what it's like to try to get access to affordable health care, get access to breast cancer screenings, all the kinds of things that they're about to end. Because I think that's the biggest frustration for all of us now, Jonathan, is feeling like, they do not listen to everyday Americans. Uh, Valerie Jarrett said on this podcast recently that she would go up to the Hill right. and, and lobby members of Congress on behalf of, of Planned Parenthood. Did you know that? Uh, well, she has been one of – she was great on your podcast, by the way. Fantastic. She has been one of the most stalwart supporters of women, not only when she was in the White House, but since then. And we have taken her up on many offers, but absolutely we're going to follow through on this because, look, Valerie Jarrett and all the work that folks did in the White House and in Congress to get women access to health care. Here's the thing that, Jonathan, I think that they don't understand is a woman's ability to plan her family and get access to affordable health care is the reason a woman can participate in the economy. End of story. You know, when birth control was illegal, Women didn't, they didn't go to college. They didn't participate in the workforce. Today, women are more than half the undergraduate students in America. We are pretty much half the workforce. In fact, I just saw a great story that the graduating class of NASA astronauts for the first time is half women. Uh, So it is this access that has allowed women to be part of the economy. And what I wanted to say to Donald Trump or to Ivanka Trump or anybody in the White House is, you're committed to rebuilding this economy, to, to getting jobs and putting America work, back to work again. You can't do that and hold half of our country behind. And that, unfortunately, is what they're doing. And, and that's where, again, I think Valerie, the President Obama, their administration, they really put women first and made sure that they could be an equitable part of, part of our economy and our society. You know, I read some, somewhere um, you gave a speech where you said, a woman spends five years being say say the quote. So oh, it's like it. one of my favorite ones because every woman underststands it. But for some men, it's a it's a little bit of a um, aha moment. Yep, yeah. for me it so was. The, well, the average woman in America. Uh, this is the Guttmacher study, so I want to make sure to give them credit. But the average woman in America who wants to have children spends five years getting pregnant uh, and having children, and she spends an ag- average of thirty years trying not to get pregnant. So this is not simply young teenagers using birth control. This is using family planning and being able to make those decisions is a lifelong pursuit for women. And that's why we take it so importantly. And that's why, again, it's so difficult to deal with a Congress who has never 
Many of those members of Congress, they've never thought about an unintended pregnancy. They've never worried about uh, a lump in their breast or that they and they couldn't get access to health care. That's the lived experience of women in this country, again, across every geography, income, party line. Uh, that's just women's story. You ever think about running for office? Uh, I think about it, but I will... I mean, honestly, I have the best job in the United States of America. I feel like the work we do at Planned Parenthood, not only to provide health care to millions of folks, but also, I hope, to hold folks accountable who are in office, we're making a tremendous difference. And I'm really honored to get to do that work. I think I can probably make more difference here than I could as one one more lone voice in the House of Representatives. <laughs> well, I mean, I asked that question because maybe I'm just dim, but it took it, I didn't realize who your mother was until long after we met. Because really? you are Cecile Richards. <laughs> you are someone who stands on her on her own two feet. You are a giant in my in my eyes before I learned that your mom was the the late great governor of Texas Ann Richards. I know I was lu- I was born under a lucky star. Absolutely. So she was famous for lots of sayings and lots of just good old wisdom. What are I was going to ask? You know, what's the one lesson that she taught you that you most remember? But if you've got three, I'd love to hear them. Sure. Well, I mean, of course, there were some fashion tips. So just as long as we got three, one was like, <laughs> oh, never no, wear, give all the fashion yeah, tips I mean, you can. She believed never wear white shoes because Jackie Onassis or Jackie Kennedy at the time never would have. So that was a no, no. And for God's sake, never wear patterns on TV. So those were just a given. <laughs> um, but in the more important category, uh, One, she believed that you just had to take every chance you got. Like, no one ever thought she could be governor of Texas. And if she had listened to all these folks, you know, all the naysayers, she never would have run for office. So she was really a strong believer, and particularly for young women, to just say, if you get a chance, just take it and go with it. And she would always say to me, what's the worst thing that could happen? And once you've actually thought about what the worst thing that could happen is, like maybe you don't win, then you can go on and you're liberated and and make that happen. And then I guess— she also she was such she was such a believer of women running for office. She spent a lot of her time trying to help other women. She was one of the I mean, there's a lot of mythology, I think, about women not helping other women. When Ann Richards was the original, like, lift down and, and pull everybody back up with you. I think she changed the face of government in the state of Texas. Uh, she brought in more women, more African-Americans, Latino leaders, LGBT leaders, folks who had never served in, in public office or served openly in many cases and brought them into the into the system. She just believed democracy was better when everybody was involved. Did you see the play that uh, Holland Carter, Holland Taylor, Holland, Ta- Holland Taylor did where she played she played yes. your mother? How accurate a portrayal was that in terms of mannerisms, voice, everything? Holland did it was it was such a masterful job and as someone said to me after the opening night actually or or maybe it was when it played at the Kennedy Center, they said it was like getting a couple of hours back with Ann Richards. And that's really how it felt. And I mean, I feel like as a daughter, how unbelievably blessed am I to have that someone who would kind of bring her back to life here. Uh, and for not only thousands of people who knew and loved her, but thousands of young people who'd never heard of Ann Richards. Uh, that was what was really fun is, it, you know, she kind of had a had another, another little um, boomlet there. And again, I think, unfortunately, a lot of the things that mom fought for uh, and fought against 
we're having to deal with right now. Uh, so there, there's some. I think there's some le- lessons still to be learned from Ann Richards. And for young women and young men who are watching you, watching the fight that you're undertaking, what advice would you give them for one coping with all of this, and two, how do you cope with all of this? I mean, you're in the thick of a decades-old fight, but is it very intense right now? How do you recharge? How do you keep hope alive, to uh, quote <laughs> Jesse Jackson? Uh, well, well, first, for young people, I, you know, I think this, there's never been a better time to be an activist. And so there's plenty to do. And I, and I sort of say to folks, don't wait for instructions. Just get involved. Because I think one of the antidotes to being discouraged about the state of affairs and the state of the country, the politics is to take take action. So whether that means running for office, whether that means starting a new group, and oh my God, thousands of groups are starting all across the country, just homegrown efforts to kind of fight back and be part of the the, the general resistance. That's to me the best antidote um, because you can't just pretend it's not happening. Things are happening. Decisions are being made by politicians that are going to impact the life of every young person uh, in America. And I guess in terms of recharging, I've also begun to appreciate, because it is a long haul, and and this is not going to be turned around overnight, is we have to take care of each other. Uh, um, I have my own, you know, particular thing. I love to cook. I'm learning to make my own pasta. I'm a pie baker. Um, I watch stupid videos of goats in sweaters, and my daughters (laughs) and I pass them back and forth. So everyone's got to have their... have their release. And I think it's important to acknowledge that. I, I mean, I was talking to some longtime sort of progressive activists the other day, and I think we have to recognize that sometimes people have to say, you know what, I got to take a break. I got to go. Uh, I got to go away for a couple of weeks. I got to recharge. And we got to get somebody else in the field. And so I do think it's important that we we understand this is a long haul. This is about the future, not of a particular bill or a particular election. It's about the future of the country that we want to build, not for many of us, not so much for ourselves, but for our children. And that is, um, that's really important. And so it's important to kind of get it right and to keep going. You know, conservative activists would say about what you just said about taking care of each other and taking care of ourselves would deride that, deride us as snowflakes. What's your rejoinder to the person who would um push back on what you said as, oh, stop being such a snowflake. Well, you know, it's, um, I think there's just a fundamental difference of opinion about what we're on this earth to do. I believe that I've been incredibly blessed to be able to be a sort of fighter in the field for social justice and progressive issues my entire life. And I hope it's because I care about something other than myself. I care about my community. I care about the future of the country. I, f- I care about the opportunity for a whole new generation. And if that's a snowflake, Count me in. Cecile Richards, president of Planned Parenthood, thanks very much for being here. Good to see you, Jonathan. Thanks for listening to Cape Up. Tune in every Tuesday. You can find us on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. And how about doing me a huge favor? Subscribe, rate, and review us. I'm Jonathan Capehart of The Washington Post. You can find me on Twitter at CapehartJ. If you like Cape Up with Jonathan Capehart, you should check out some of our other great podcasts. Like Can He Do That? with Allison Michaels, a podcast that explores the powers and limitations of the American presidency. 
Or try Other, Mixed Race in America, a mini-series of stories to make you think about race, identity, and what it means to be an American. You can find these shows anywhere you listen to podcasts and learn more online at WashingtonPost.com slash podcasts. The Washington 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 Post. Post.